want the Big Ten Championship, and we're going to win it as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. When the old season is over, you and I know it's going to be Michigan again. Michigan. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Run Past Michigan, our RPM podcast here on The Athletic. I am Nick Baumgartner, along with Austin Meek, here in Ann Arbor. Austin, we took last week off, but we did tell people we'd be back around uh, here in the winter months. So how are we doing? All right. Yeah, we're kind of in the depths of February here. Uh, my opinion, probably the worst sports month of the year. <laughs> not great. You're not, uh, are you into you know, the XFL? Because I watched uh, a little bit not of yet. No, no? <laughs> not, not yet. Uh, maybe that'll be my gateway uh, to get yeah. into the Pro Bowl and the Senior Bowl and all those other uh, football yeah. substitutes that we find uh, this time of year. Uh, and we also have, uh, you know, we've got the Combine coming up next week. Uh, you yep. actually are going to be there to cover it. Uh, I will mm-hmm. be in Indianapolis. I will not be at the Combine, but we have some meetings there. Uh, why don't we start with that? A uh, bunch yeah. of Michigan guys on the list. Uh, what, yes. what did we just say? 11, uh, 11 Michigan guys, guys are going to be there. Yeah. So that's that's a, a lot of Wolverines there. Uh, who do you think uh, needs to uh, to perform well at the Combine? Well, I think the, the, the top guy there, um, for my money, and I think I'm not alone, I think most a lot of people have agreed, is uh, Ruiz, Cesar Ruiz, I think is their top prospect uh, at the combine, and I've been really interested to see how he works out because Cesar, or, you know, it tests anyway uh, there this week, is he's always sort of been, um, you know, a really athletic big guy who you know sort of handled himself well right when he, I mean, he played right away at Michigan as a true freshman, was a two-year starter at center, smart kid, as you know, you, you know, also we know that from talking to him, but it's it's going to be interesting to see sort of you know maybe what his what his test is. Um, you know, I think Caesar did a really nice job early in his career of losing a lot of like he was a hefty guy when he came into Michigan. I think he lost a lot of the the bad weight uh, and, and started to kind of mold his body better. So I'll be interested to see where that's at. And then really the one I think that we can all agree on uh, that has probably the most to prove in terms of like high ceiling is Donovan Peoples Jones, right? I mean, it has to mm-hmm. be where it's like five star recruit, five star talent, all this stuff. And we just didn't quite see as much of that, you know, on the field at Michigan. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of questions, you know, that he's going to have to answer both, you know, on the field and in those meeting rooms. Yeah, I noticed that Cesar Ruiz now is popping up uh, in the first round of some mock drafts, yeah. which, you know, he, he has continued to climb, I think. I remember talking to Dane Brugler uh, around the Citrus Bowl before Caesar had officially declared, and it's like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a potential, like, third-round guy who could move up into the first round if he has a good combine. Uh, yeah. I'm guessing that the speed and the agility numbers for him are going to be really good. For a for a guy his size, and you know, if if the strength component is there as well, then uh, he he may end up coming out of the combine looking like the total package as a center. Uh, yeah, Donovan, you know, another guy you would expect to, to test really well. Uh, you know, the the speed and the agility. You know, you you would expect to see that with him. Uh, you know, I'm curious about Josh Uche. I'm curious about the numbers yeah. he puts up. I'm guessing that 40 time for Josh Uche may open some eyes if he runs well. Yeah. Uh, there may be some teams looking at it and saying. That's a pretty impressive forty time for a guy who who projects as an edge rusher and you know a, a, you know a, a bigger guy but a good speed as well. Yeah, I would assume there'll be a fair amount of eyeballs on uh, on the screens and in the stadium for those that are allowed in there uh, when he does all of his agility and speed testing. You know, as he was sort of the you know on defense anyway, he was one of the th- three or four guys that everybody sort of singled out at the Senior Bowl. Uh, as a really intriguing prospect who a lot of folks knew about 
you know, going into that week, but it seemed like more people started to, you know, understand maybe the versatility of his game and, and, and start to realize maybe that we haven't seen, you know, even close to what, you know, he can probably do yet as, you know, we've sort of discussed that, you know, his, his time in this role is really only like a year and a half old. It really isn't, you know, he was a tweener and then he got hurt and then he took some time to develop and then suddenly boom. So, you know, I think that, you know, he'll, he'll get a lot of attention uh, I'm also interested with I'm really interested with uh, Mike and Wayne you and John Runyon. I think Austin a lot of like this holds true with Ruiz too uh, and Bredesen. I think Bredesen obviously I think we all know he's a steady you know player who most NFL teams like. But I think all of Michigan's offensive linemen, um, and this includes Jalen Mayfield who's coming back, really did well for themselves in two losses at the end of the season in that Ohio State game and the Alabama game. You know, Michigan obviously was overwhelmed in both games when it when it was over with in terms of, you know, they just couldn't keep up. Uh, Alabama, of course, it was closer. But the offensive line in both those games, I think we can agree, handled themselves really well against really talented defensive fronts. So I'm kind of curious, all four of those guys are here at the combine, are going to be there at the combine, Ruiz, Runyon, Unwainu, and Bredesen. I'm sort of interested to see how all of them fare because, I mean, to me, I think all of them got attention uh, at the end, and that includes, like we said, Mayfield, who's still in school. But I think all those guys are, so, seemed to me like they were leaving college, training in the right direction. And I was a little surprised that Nwainu and uh, Runyon didn't get Senior Bowl invites. So you know, this is a chance for them to maybe uh, turn some heads too. Yeah, it's always interesting in, in the draft analysis to compare you know, the, the whole discussion of upside versus production in college, and you kind of see the whole spectrum uh, with Michigan's offensive linemen. I mean, a guy like Caesar, you know, who mm-hmm. certainly was a good, a very good player uh, at the college level, uh, but also probably you would say the highest upside uh, of any yeah. of those offensive linemen there. You, know, you feel like there's another level that, that he can get to that we haven't seen yet as he continues to develop physically. Uh, you know, a guy like Ben Bredesen, probably kind of right in the middle, you know, mm-hmm. as a guy who um, still has room to grow and, and get better, uh, but also a guy who's coming out, you know, pretty polished physically, a guy who played a ton of football. Uh, so, you know, I think if you draft Ben Bredesen, you yeah. are, you believe that he's going to get better, continue to get better, but you also know you're getting a guy who ha- has a pretty high floor, you know, you, you, you know yeah. that, uh, you know what he can do. You know, a, a guy like John Runyon, uh, you know, his potential at the next level probably not as a left tackle, which is the position right. that, that he yeah. played at Michigan. Probably a guy who would who would move inside. Um, you know, when when I talked to Dane going into the Citrus Bowl, the conversation with Runyon was going into the year probably projecting as a priority free agent type of guy. Mm-hmm. Maybe played his way into the later rounds. Uh, I think if he has a good showing at the Combine, uh, that, that'll that help his case to get drafted. And, and yeah, I do think Michael Winyu is a, a really interesting case. Yeah. Uh, for a guy his size, he moves really well. He really does. I, yeah. I'm a little surprised maybe that he hasn't gotten more buzz uh, you know, relative to his NFL potential, but maybe, maybe that'll come. You know, Maybe he's a guy who will open some eyes at the Combine. Yeah, I think with a guy like that, everyone is going to be leery of the weight because it's always been so high and he's just a big guy. You know, it's just like I always used to say, you know, I think Mike and Wayne use like skeleton weighs like 320 pounds, right? Like I think it's just his bones bone. weigh a lot. Yeah, bone. right. So like he's always been a really big guy. You know, I think, you know, they always they listed him at 350 when he got to Michigan. I mean, he was well north of that, I think, when he got to Michigan. Um, but they never let that weight listing go any higher than that. So I think people will be interested to see what he weighs. And then, yeah, like what, what how his feet are moving uh, and some of those drills will be fascinating too. And then, of course, 
Um, can't really get out of here without <laughs> the combine conversation without talking about Patterson, Shea Patterson, who's, you know, was uh, invited to the Senior Bowl, which I think, you know, raised a few eyebrows that uh, that he was invited to the Senior Bowl, but he was. Uh, did not have what anyone would consider to be the greatest week at the Senior Bowl, though I don't know if it was as bad as some people uh, wanted to make it out to be. I, uh, it wasn't great, but it wasn't horrible. Like Chris Burke, who works with us at the Athletics, said it best. I thought uh, in a story he wrote that week that if you've seen if you've seen Shea Patterson play a football game, then you know what his week at the Senior Bowl was like, right? Where it was like there was some really good moments, and then there was some really bad moments, and then there was a lot of like, this is just fine or whatever you know moments that was like this is this is whatever it is but you know for Shea this is going to be the last chance you know to really you know prove or show people things that you know or or, or, or knock down any misconceptions or whatever it is um, you know about his ability to be consistent um, you know with his accuracy and that's what that's what it's all going to be about you know for a guy who's 6'2 he's you know I, I would think what do we think probably somewhere in the four sevens you know as a 40 time Probably test okay, um, but it's going to be about when you go out on the field and you have to throw the ball around, you know, he's not going to be able to miss anything. And and that was kind of the problem at the Senior Bowl. That was the problem, you know, during the season. Not as much. I mean, the turnovers came back, but it was more about, you know, you're missing open guys and everything else. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, he's been an interesting case for a long time, and um, he gets a lot of attention, and I'm sure he'll have a lot of attention this week as well. And I guess we'll find out, or next week rather, and I guess we'll find out if he uh, if he does well for himself. Yeah, you know, Shea's, uh, my impression of Shea is that he's the type of quarterback where you see his best when the lights come on. I'm not sure the yep, combine yep. is going to be necessarily yep. the venue uh, that, that's going to be the best one for Shea, but, you know, mm-hmm. we'll see. Um, the accuracy, as you mentioned, I would imagine that that'll be the thing that everybody's going to be looking at is, you know, can he demonstrate that he's accurate enough uh, mm-hmm. to play in the NFL? You know, it's interesting for the quarterbacks who are kind of, in sort of that fringe of of undrafted free agent late round pick, which is probably where where Shea is right now. I remember talking to Vernon Adams uh, yeah, after he you know he he uh, transferred from Eastern Washington to Oregon. He played his last year at Oregon, had a really good year. Uh, he was hurt part of it, but when he played, he was really good. Uh, ended up not getting drafted. He did go to the combine. I remember talking to him after that, and he ended up being. Uh, one of the throwing quarterbacks at the combine, right? Oh, yeah. So the guys yeah. who are throwing to the receivers in the yep. receiver drills. And I remember talking to him afterwards, and he was like, "Yeah, the you know the combine really like blew up my whole pre-draft process because I threw so much that week. Wow. Like I just wore myself out. Like my arm yeah. was dead when I got back from it. And then every workout I did after the combine, I felt like uh, you know my accuracy accuracy was off. My arm strength wasn't there because I wore myself out at the combine. So yeah. uh, always interesting for those guys uh, in sort of that that kind of late round range when they go and throw at the combine um but yeah it'll be a fun week next week uh i'm sure uh i'm sure we'll have uh some some stuff to report coming out of the combine but tell you what nick uh we got some uh we got some questions some reader q a here uh should we go ahead and dive into uh to some of these questions yeah for sure yeah all right cool let me uh let me pull this up here uh, let's start with this one. Uh, Chris on Twitter uh, asked us about the uh, the momentum for the new one year transfer exception. Uh, if yeah. you haven't seen it, Nicole Auerbach has a good story up on the Athletic today about the particulars of that. 
uh, something that we are familiar with because we heard Jim Harbaugh pitch that plan at Big Ten Media Days over the summer. I don't know if he was the first one to put it out there, but certainly one of the first to really come out strongly in favor of that. So, yeah, Chris is wondering if that does come uh, come to be that uh, players are allowed to transfer once in their careers without penalty. Uh, how would that work out for a school like Michigan and a coach like Jim Harbaugh? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think that's the point, right? It's uh, I'm not sure, we're not sure if it was his idea, but he was certainly the biggest name to put his voice behind it. Um, you know, it, I mean, it was something he supported. I don't know. Maybe it was his idea. I don't know. Maybe nobody else said <laughs> it before him, but either way, he vocalized <laughs> it. Uh, so, you know, I would think that, you know, he's obviously going to be in support of it because he's been in support of it. And I think a lot of it was, you know, at the time, and that got a little awkward with, you know, because a lot of it, you know, as is the case on a few occasions, you know, when Harbaugh gives these, gives some of these comments, sometimes he gives them in weird environments like a radio interview where nobody else is there to have a conversation with him, really. So, you know, it was a lot about like, you know, his worry was that people were having to, you know, come up with reasons that weren't true, maybe, uh, or, or that were having to, you know, talk about things publicly that they didn't want to talk about. You know, like mental or, you know, the mental health thing came up, like things that, you know, it's like, I got to make a big case about this. Do I, maybe it would, it's not something I really want to talk about publicly if I don't have to, all these types of things. Um, And then the solution was just like, you know, why don't we just let these kids have, you know, an opportunity to get a do over. And I I know that, you know, it's been back and forth because, you know, there were times, you know, we've talked to Harbaugh about this a lot over the years, because obviously Shea Patterson transferred and got the one time exception to play immediately um and he was always very clear back then that you know he stayed out of that whole process was not involved with it you know they left that up to Shea Patterson uh, his lawyer and Michigan and the compliance department and he did not involve himself in it and that's accurate that's true um I've never heard anyone tell me behind the scenes that 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 he was lying about that uh he stayed out of it and um but at the time I remember we asked him once and it might even have been in Paris there when he uh when when Shea got eligible about this whole situation like you know, would you prefer to keep it, you know, where guys have to sit out and, and this, that, and the other. And, and his kind of thing was like, you know, I think it works out better for them when they decide that they want to stick something out because every kid will tell you when you play a freshman in college or a sophomore in college, there's going to be 20 times where you want to transfer. And the reason you don't do it maybe is because you don't want to sit out. Uh, but maybe you also you're becoming an adult and you're learning these things for yourself and, and then you figure out, well, I'll stick it out and I'm, I'm not going to regret it in the long run. So his thing was always like, I think it'd be better for the kids if they stuck it out, but I don't think we need to be sitting here telling them what to do. You know, it was kind of like, I think they need to be able to have some freedom on that to um, to make their own decisions. And then also in situations where sometimes, yeah, it's just like if the kid's family is in a situation where he needs to go home or be closer to home, he needs to be able to do that and not have to fight about it for, you know, six months. So I think Harbaugh would embrace it all the way. I mean, obviously they're going to embrace it all the way. They've been all out in front of it. I know Ward Manuel's talked to people about it too. So um they're not going to have a problem with it. I think it would. I think it actually suits somebody like Harbaugh better than a lot of places. Because, I mean, Austin, you've been around Jim Harbaugh long enough. I would venture now to say that you can understand that if a kid comes to him and says, like, you know, for the third time or something, like, I got a problem. I got a problem. His answer is going to be like, the door is right there, man. <laughs> like, I'm not stopping yeah. you. You know, that's going to be his default. And I think it's kind of his default now. Uh, you know, good, bad, or otherwise. It's just sort of what it is. I don't. I don't think it's it's meant as anything personal. I think he's just saying, like, look, if you don't want to be here, the door is right there. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to be in the business of begging you to stay. And I think that, you know, he feels like I shouldn't have to do that. And you shouldn't have to do that either if you don't want to be here. And, you know, makes a lot of sense. 
Yeah, as I remember, remember that conversation from last July, you know, the the proposal kind of got lost in all the controversy uh, because that, you know, if, yeah. if people remember it, uh, the the proposal itself was not the most notable thing uh, that Jim right. Arbaugh said <laughs> that no, week no. Uh, in in Chicago. There were a couple of things. There was that Urban Meyer thing uh, that blew up there for for a minute, uh, but most of it, you know, was was on the transfer side was the discussion about uh, James Hudson, right, the offensive yep. lineman who had transferred from Michigan to Cincinnati, uh, and in the midst, I think, of making the point uh, about the need to reform the waiver process, as, as you brought up, you know, Jim Harbaugh also made some comments about players, uh, you know, exploiting that process basically, and maybe claiming to have extenuating circumstances or yeah. mental health issues uh, that might not actually be the case. And I, I think some of the controversy maybe uh, detracted from you know, the bigger point that he was trying to make, which clearly is a point that a lot of people agree with. Uh, as yep. we've seen the Big Ten come out and the 80s and the Big Ten say that they support this idea. The ACC now has come out and said that they support it. Uh, I, I do think that it you know it makes a lot of sense. And to go back to the question of how this will uh, impact Michigan, I don't know that it will impact Michigan directly in a way that's significantly different from anybody else except you know, if if you do believe that Jim Harbaugh is kind of a by the book type of guy, uh, maybe he is not out there the way some other coaches are, really trying to work the waiver system. You know, really yeah. trying to talk to you know, be in the ear of players and say, "Hey, this is what you got to say. I'm gonna right. yeah. you know yeah. pull the strings behind the scenes to help you get right. this waiver because we want you to play." It it does seem like you know to your point earlier about the Shea Patterson yeah. situation. Jim Harbaugh has kind of said, "I'm going to stay out of that. You know yep. that you deal with the NCAA on that. So if it, you know, if it's a situation where you no longer have to work the waiver system to get eligible, mm-hmm. uh, Jim Harbaugh doesn't really seem to like to play that game anyway. So may- yeah, maybe that's right. helpful. I don't know. Yeah, it's almost like you know I don't have time for this anyway. Uh, and then I think his message to a player would be, neither do you, frankly. You know, <laughs> right. like you shouldn't have time for this either. Like you know, school uh, should be a factor." You, you know, taking care of your body, staying in shape, all these things should also be a factor. Like fighting with the NCAA because you're unhappy and you need to leave, like shouldn't be something that any of us are dealing with. Let's just keep it moving and move on. And, you know, that's been Harbaugh's thing, I think, from the minute one. It's always, you know, even when he got, you know, to Michigan and, you know, I can remember when, um, you know, he started the thing where, you know, the fifth year senior thing was a big jarring change for a lot of folks that, you know, Harbaugh's policy or whatever you want to call it was like, you know, uh, the fifth year here, once you've got your diploma, needs to be mutually agreed upon by both parties, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. if I think you're good enough to play here, I'd like you to play here. I, I, If I don't, then I need your scholarship. We've already gotten you to a point where you've graduated and everything else. And, and it seemed sort of like at the time, like it seemed like, that's kind of cold. And then you thought about it longer and you're like, nah, I mean, like, that's just business. Because, you know, scholarships are sort of like, you know, pieces of gold, and it's in Harbaugh's basically saying, like, look, I'm going to help you if you leave. Like, I'll help you out. I'll try to, you know, if you need my help down the road, but like, I got to have your scholarship, and we've given you all I can give you. So we got to move, we got to, you know, we got to keep it moving here. And that's sort of always been his personality and sort of always been how he's operated. And um, so I would think more than anybody, probably, uh, he'd be all about it and, and would, and you know, I think he'd see it as, you know, cutting out unnecessary red tape and, and issues that just don't need to be involved in any of this. And that's probably how he looks at it. Yeah. Okay. Next question. Uh, 
more likely in 2020, a thousand yard rusher, a thousand yard receiver, or 3,000 yards passing from the quarterback? I like that question. That is a good question uh, from Nezzy there. I see that. Uh, boy, um, I don't know if a thousand yard rusher is in the cards necessarily because I think that there's going to be, you're going to have whoever the quarterback is, you would see more. You know, rushing yards from a quarterback. You would see, you know, you've got Hassan Haskins plus Zach Charbonnet plus Chris Evans possibly as well. Um, so I think that'll get spread out maybe a little bit more. That might be harder for somebody to achieve. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I'm not sure that this offense is one that, you know, sort of is like the ball's going to get spread around a lot too. I think 3,000 yard passer. I you know did Shea make it? Did we figure that out? He made it, right? He did. Get I think there. he did make. Yeah, he. I yeah. think he fell a little short of the record, which is short. like three thirty-three hundred yeah. or something. I he think, did, think I think that that's going to happen. Yeah, I think th- I think that would be my guess because, like we've talked about so many times, <laughs> that's that's not that big of an ask anymore, right? <laughs> Where it's like it's not this impossible feat, uh, and I think their offense is sort of balanced with the run game, so. I'd probably vote that. I mean, whoever it ends up being. If, if somebody stays healthy and gets enough attempts, I think they'll, they'll get there. Yeah, I, I think that I have written already this offseason uh, that Nico Collins probably should be a thousand-yard yeah. receiver. Like, if Nico comes back and you can't get a thousand receiving yards, yeah. it's, it, you know, at some level, it's kind of like, what are you doing That's here? interesting. Uh, yeah, right. But I, I can't say that I would, like, stake my reputation on that happening right. by, by yeah, any the, means. The like, ball, should yeah. it happen? Yeah, probably. Will it happen? Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, you know, I would give an outside shot uh, to the thousand-yard rusher. You know, I, I think ultimately... Mm-hmm. You're right that there's just too many guys in that backfield for one guy to, to hit a thousand. Uh, but if one guy did it, I think the guy would probably be Charbonnet. You know, I, I think mm. the scenario where Michigan has a thousand yard rusher is basically Charbonnet. You know, gets healthy because I think we know at some level he was yeah. not playing at a hundred percent the whole season. Yeah. Uh, if Charbonnet, you know, gets healthy, uh, has a great off season makes that jump from freshman to sophomore, then if there's one guy I think who could have a thousand yard season, it's yep. him. Uh, but but I would probably I would probably take the side of a bunch of guys getting carries and no one guy cracking mm-hmm. that thousand yard mark. Uh, but yeah, that's a good question. Uh, what's next? You got a you got a good one? Uh, how about this one from uh, uh, I don't even know how to say his name. Could this year's <laughs> offensive line be better than last year's by the end of the season? If not when do you think the offensive line will get back to uh, last year's level? Um, yeah, it's, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough for for this year's offensive line to be as good as because like we just talked about that in the combine part here. At the end of the season, Michigan's offensive line was cooking cooking pretty well. I thought you know with uh, you know Mayfield, Ruiz, and Wayne U, Runyon, Bredesen. That's that was a uh, you know four seniors plus a really talented uh, second year player. I'm not sure if I'd put that. I don't think that that's going to happen this year. Um, I think they'll be good, and I think next by the end of next season, maybe we could see something like that. But it would be. A, it just seems like an unfair ask, um, you know, given on based on who's coming back. So, you know, I think we fully both expect Mayfield to be very good. Um, you know, I think Mayfield is. I think Mayfield's Michigan's best NFL draft prospect for the following cycle right now, as it sits today. Uh, I think that Stuper 
should be fine once he gets himself back healthy again. Um, I think Ryan Hayes should be fine, but again, he's going to be playing for the first time really as a, as a full-time starter. And then, you know, we still sort of have questions uh, at, you know, the center spot and then the other guard spot, particularly the center spot, because, you know, losing a center, a second, you know, a two-year starter at center, you know, Caesar had gotten to a point where, you know, his, his familiarity with line calls and everything else was so, was so good that I'm sure, you know, losing him, uh, is going to be a task because that's that's probably the hardest spot mentally for everybody to handle. Uh, if you lose a really really good center, you feel it. That's always been my experience uh, covering these teams. Like you know when Graham Glasgow left, uh, the next offensive line, you could tell that Graham wasn't there anymore. You know what I mean? So uh, I would think that uh, the same thing and the same thing last time Michigan had a great center before that was David Mulk, who won the Remington in 2011, and it took you know five years before we saw a player in the middle that made it feel like a line that was so cohesive like that again. So, you know, I think it's going to be a tough deal, but at the same time, Michigan really likes a lot of its uh, young offensive line depth and talent and and ability to develop. And of course they love Ed Warner. So um, I wouldn't rule out anything, but I think it's going to be a stretch to to say that it would be better than last year's. Yeah. That's a tall task to to think that you lose four guys who Mm -hmm. started multiple years, uh, you know, four guys who potentially are going to get drafted and uh, and get better the next year. I, you know, to me the question is, if we look two years down the road, maybe uh, you know, twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two. You know, if if Jalen Mayfield, you know, all of a sudden is a third year starter who's getting ready to you know to go to the NFL, and then you've got two or three of these guys who are are redshirt freshmen right now. Who yeah. have become multi-year starters at that point? I, it'll be an interesting comparison to look and say, you know, is is there more NFL talent on that future Michigan offensive yeah. line than the one we just awesome. watched? And I, I think mm-hmm. it, that could very well be the case. You know, I, yeah. um, Michigan's going to put you know, two or three or four offensive linemen in the draft this year. Uh, one guy Ruiz, who's probably going to go pretty high. Ben Bredesen, who you know could be a mid-round pick at least. So a lot of NFL talent on that line. Uh, if if they eventually end up surpassing that with the group they've got now, then then that'll be pretty yeah. good, pretty good, uh, pretty good work by Ed Warner uh, and and the rest of that staff. Uh, yeah. Let's see, what do we got time for? A couple more. Uh, here's one uh, yeah. uh, from Mr. G. Wants to know which position group needs to make the biggest leap this off season. Oh, probably defensive line, right? I would, I would think, uh, outside of quarterback, I guess. Um, but you know, that still seems to be, you know, in any alignment, in any in any situation. I, you know, they they went a lot with the the three down linemen last year, and then Uche kind of playing that hybrid role. Um, you know, the interior guys. I mean, you're you got to remember, you're losing Uche, you're losing Michael Dana. Um, those are two, you know, really valuable rotation players. Hutchinson's back, Quiddy Pay is back, but and Carlo Kemp as well. But at the same time, you know, the interior depth was not great. Michael Dwumfor has left. You know, we're going to have to see what happens with, you know, a guy like Christopher Hinton and then Mozzie Smith. And then, you know, does Donovan Jeter, you know, turn a corner after last year? They were hoping that he would and it didn't quite happen. So, you know, the transfer portal, I would think, would be, you know, something that they would look into uh, along the defensive line. You know, the transfer portal could be something they look into on both lines, you know, as they go forward here. Uh, but really, you know, their inability to hold up, you know, against offensive lines that were that we would consider to be, you know, top level, 
um, you know, showed. And that and that's the stuff when you're playing those games against those really elite teams, you know, your line play, you know, Michigan had an offensive line that could hang with all those teams this year. That was real. Um, but, but you flip it on the other side and you say, well, they didn't have a defensive line that was going to be able to hang in there for four quarters. And, and boy, they felt it, you know, in a lot of those games. Yeah, it was interesting. I was uh, doing a kind of a roster breakdown a couple weeks ago, uh, and I think we all are aware that uh, depth on the defensive line is one of the biggest uh, biggest things they got to address this off season. And it is interesting that you know they have a they have a lot of guys. It's not it's not like they don't have guys you know coming back on the defensive line, but just there's a bunch of them who mm-hmm. you know either just have been here a while and and have yet to really break through. Uh, or guys, you know, when when we've seen them, you know, have struggled. So, you know, they they have bodies, uh, but they definitely do, especially on the inside of the defensive line. Yeah, uh, need need some guys to step up this offseason. I'd probably say, you know, if if there's a, a another position group on the list there, I think that linebacker group is going to be interesting, mm-hmm. just because of the turnover. Uh, you know, you've got Cam McGrone coming back, who you expect him to take a big step forward. Uh, and has already you know, shown he can play at a high level. Uh, those other positions, you know, I was I was kind of having trouble coming up with a two deep there. Uh, yeah. In terms of you know, he's like, well, I got to put Josh Ross here, and I also got to put him here yeah. because there's not really many other choices. <laughs> Don't so, know yet. Yeah, yeah, right. So they you know they need some guys to you know elevate their level of play there, and some other guys who we just haven't seen yet uh, to step up and be part of the be part of the rotation there. So uh, okay, yeah. we got time to uh, maybe you want to sneak in one more at the buzzer. Yeah, here. I got you one got, here got from one uh, right. from Ronnie. Uh, uh, did we screw, did Michigan screw up very badly by not keeping? Uh, Coach Chris Partridge, he says he's afraid that they did, um, which is an interesting one. I don't know if we've talked a lot about this on on here. I think I we got this maybe with uh, with the Beat Podcast a little bit, but um, so there was a there, there were people on Twitter. It seemed to me, Austin, or people in social media or conversations or whatever that people were having fans that Partridge wanting to be a defensive coordinator, which obviously that was you know the case and and why and his personal development as a coach, why he left. Uh, and I think he said, you know, he left and it seemed like it was a tough thing for him, you know, that kind of thing. He likes it, Michigan, everything else, and blah, blah, blah. Um, and so there was people that were saying, well, why did Michigan just make him the defensive coordinator and, and get rid of Don Brown? And, you know, because he's, he was such a good recruiter. And my answer to that was always, you know, like that that was always for me a bridge too far. Um, I didn't think that, you know, it was something that they could – I thought that that would have been, I thought, a mistake – uh, if they were to, if they were going to, you know, like demote Don Brown and keep Chris Partridge, because I think Don Brown most in football would tell you, probably including Chris Partridge, that Don Brown knows more about defense than Chris Partridge today, as things sit today. <laughs> um, you know, right? I mean, you know, talk to Chris Partridge in time, right? When he has more time as a coach. But the other part of that too, I would say, is that, you know, in terms of recruiting, you know, Chris Partridge is a great recruiter, and, and part of what makes him great is his ability to go all over the place. And um, sort of get involved and and get in with a lot of kids because he you know he relates to them and they seem to have a good you know rapport with him and everything else and he seems to be you know very good at that sort of thing. But I, I think that the thing that gets overlooked is that Don Brown, you know Don Brown's hit rate as a recruiter at Michigan is probably better than Chris Partridge's. It's just not as high profile. Like Partridge was in on a lot of the you know five star the big time competitive recruiting battles. Whereas Don Brown has gone and found guys like Quiddy Pay and Josh Uche and Nick Eubanks and guys 
that were under-recruited that have turned into really, really good players who have stayed, you know, all the way through. Chris Partridge has brought a lot of players to Michigan that left, that didn't work out, you know. I mean, that happens too. And he's also brought a lot that did work out and stayed and were very good. So I, I saw a lot of people comparing the two, Partridge, Don Brown, and I was just like, I don't think that anybody that really knows football can fault Michigan for you know, letting Partridge go if that was the case where it was like, I want to be a coordinator and Michigan would probably have to say like, well, then it's time for you to go because we don't have a job, you know, a coordinator job for you here. I think it was just one of those things that happens in football. And, um, you know, it didn't seem like anybody left on bad terms. And, and it seems like maybe who knows, you know, down the road, maybe they could do business with each other again. But, you know, I think that it happened the way it probably needed to happen. And, and sometimes that's just sort of how it goes. Yeah, Don Brown wasn't going anywhere. You know, at at the point that it became clear that Don Brown wasn't going to take another job somewhere else, then yeah, the the writing was on the wall that if Chris Partridge wants to be a defensive coordinator, uh, probably good for him to go and you know prove his chops somewhere. And and yeah. as you say, maybe who knows what the future holds. Uh, Don Brown won't be here forever, but yeah, that's uh, that's that's a long way in the future. And I, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, yeah, you know, losing Chris Partridge, yeah, for uh, sure, certainly, it, you know, it hurts. Um, and you know, you you need both in recruiting. Mm-hmm. You know, you need the guy who can go and and find somebody like Quiddy Pay, who's not yeah. a big time recruit, but becomes a big time player. And and Don Brown yeah. definitely has shown a knack for that. And you yes. need that on your staff yes. at a place like Michigan. Like Michigan's not gonna, you know, they're not gonna have five star guys at every spot on their two deep yeah. every year. So that's there's certainly value in that. You also do need a guy like Chris Partridge who maybe can yep. go into the living room of a five-star player who you know maybe is kind of lukewarm on Michigan. Uh, yeah. You need somebody who can go out and sell, you know. And it seemed like Chris Partridge really you know w- was excellent at that. That's going to be tough to replace. We'll see if uh, a guy like Brian Jean Mary uh, yeah. is you know if he brings that element to the staff. Uh, but yeah, ultimately, I think you're right. You know, I, I don't think that you can say that this is you know this was some catastrophic failure by Michigan uh, not to retain Chris Partridge. Uh, he was here five or six years and did good work and uh, was ready to yeah. take the next step, and, and that's what he did. And I, I would say if if he can prove in time, you know, maybe he already has this, and we just don't know it yet. But if he proves to also have the the eye that you know a guy like Don Brown has. Uh, then he's going to be a head coach somewhere really soon. Yeah. Because if you have the ability to sell and you have the ability to spot talent that nobody else can see, you're probably going to do pretty well for yourself. And he probably wouldn't have been around <laughs> here that much longer anyway. So that's yeah. just you know how it goes. So we'll see how his uh, you know sort of path uh, continues for him as a coach. Yeah. All right, folks. Hey, thanks for the questions this week. Uh, check back at the Athletic uh, next week. We'll have some coverage coming out of the uh, the combine, and spring balls right around the corner. Uh, so give us a couple weeks, and we'll be back with another podcast. We really appreciate everybody listening, and uh, yeah, we'll talk to you soon here on the RPM podcast. <laughs>